Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis from our message is taken from the Old Testament lesson. We hear again verses 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And from the Gospel lesson, verses 16 and 17, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Well, British sculptor Sir Jacob Epstein was visited by George Bernard Shaw. And when Shaw came into his studio, he looked over to the corner and he saw this huge block of stone standing in the corner. And so Shaw was kind of curious, and so he said, what's that for? And Epstein responded, I don't know yet, I'm still making plans. And Shaw was kind of astounded, and he says, making plans? I changed my mind several times a day. And Epstein said, well, when you have a four-ounce manuscript, that works well. When you have four tons of rock, you need a plan. And that's true, right? We need plans, and God has a plan. God's plan to bring the word of God is to use his people to do it. And at first that sounds really good. But then we come today and we see the people he chooses and we begin to wonder, is that such a good plan? Is that the plan that we would choose? We're going to look at God's plan, looking at who God chose in Jonah and also the disciples. Does that make sense? Because not only does he choose Jonah not only does he choose Andrew, James, Andrew, and Peter, James, and John, he chooses you. How good is that plan? And what is it that could possibly make that plan effective? But as we go to the Old Testament, we see that God had a plan for Nineveh. God had a plan for Nineveh because he wanted to bring Nineveh to repentance. And in that plan, he called Jonah. Now again, think about this. If you're going to send someone to a city to proclaim the word of God, wouldn't you want someone who's rather eager to do it? Who wants to go? Wouldn't you send someone who loved the people of Nineveh and desired their repentance and desired their salvation? From a human standpoint, that would make sense. But that's not Jonah. The first time God calls Jonah, because again in our text it says this is the second time, the first time he calls Jonah, Jonah goes the opposite way. It's like God saying you need to go to Columbus and you turn around and go to Ann Arbor. It's going the opposite direction. He didn't want to go. And as you read through the entirety of the book of Jonah, you realize the reason he didn't want to go was not because he was afraid, uh, not because he thought it would fail, not, not any of those reasons. The reasons he didn't want to go to Nineveh is he didn't want Nineveh to be saved. He he desired, and when God relented, as we are told in our text, that the next section tells shows Jonah being angry and saying, That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you would spare these people. What does that say about Jonah's view of the Ninevites? Certainly not a love for them or a desire for their salvation. He wanted them judged because they were his enemy. And yet God chose Jonah anyway. Now we come to the gospel lesson. God's got a plan. 
God's got a plan to send people out with the message of Christ. After his death and resurrection, he's going to tell the world the message by using people he has chosen to bring that message. Again, from a human standpoint, wouldn't you pick experts on religion, experts on the scriptures, someone who's ready to answer all the questions, someone who's going to face the pushback, someone who knows things really, really well, and yet who does he choose? Fishermen. They have no formal training, more than any other Jewish men within that culture. They're not highly respected. They're not highly sought after. He would not look forward to them. They're common people. Who's going to listen to them? And yet God chose them. And so here we sit today, and God's got a plan to reach the world. And the world needs to hear his message, right? You see the sin, the darkness in the world. You know people who are going lost, need direction, need help. And so God's got a plan. And that plan is you. Now now keep in mind, if we were doing this, again, kind of like we see with the Old Testament, the Gospel, first of all, you'd pick people who are willing and excited. Are you? Well, maybe sometimes. But are you also reluctant at times? Do, Do you feel equipped to share the Gospel? Do you think you're the right person? We wonder about that, don't we? Yet you're still part of the plan. You think you would want people who have a love for absolutely everyone in your heart. So do you have a love for everybody in your heart? There's love in your heart, I know that. But does it really fit everybody? Are there not times when you look around the world and you see people and you think, boy, God should really bring judgment. Why is God waiting Why is God allowing these things to happen? Is that really love? Do we have love for absolutely everyone? And yet we're part of the plan. You would think you'd want religious experts, people who know the Bible inside and out, basically got it memorized, who could quote scripture left and right, who are prepared to answer every question that could come and able to resist every pushback. Is that you? You got all the answers? Are you equipped and ready to to give an answer for every question that might come to you about your faith and your understanding of God? Do you feel well prepared? And yet, you're part of the plan. And finally, God should want people who live out their life of faith. Do you? Do you love God above all things? never allowing anything to come between you and your relationship with Him? Do you love your neighbor as yourself and understand the word neighbor to mean everybody that you come in contact with? Especially those in need. Do you love those who disagree with you? Who argue with you? Who live differently than you? Again, you're part of the plan. God's plan is to use us. From a human standpoint, that doesn't seem like a very good plan. Seems like there could be a better plan. But that's because we often think of it wrongly. 
See, we often think of that plan as being dependent upon us, dependent on the person, but it's not. God's plan isn't dependent upon you. It's not dependent upon me. That's why God's plan can work. God's plan is dependent upon his word. And we see it with Jonah, right? Jonah comes into Nineveh, even though he didn't want to go, even though he didn't want the message to succeed, even though he wanted God to bring judgment, and he proclaims the message that God gave. And then this is what we are told. The Ninevites, Ninevites believed God. Notice it doesn't say the Ninevites believed Jonah. The Ninevites believed Jonah's message. And not only did they believe, but they took it to heart. As it says, they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least of them, put on sackcloth. God's word was effective. It wasn't about Jonah. Jonah's a reminder of God's love and desire and his willingness to go to any length to call his people to himself. But it's the message that would be effective. And so it was with the apostles. Again, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the book of Acts describes what happens with, with Peter and Andrew, James and John, as they go forward with the message. And we have these wonderful sermons that are recorded within the book of Acts. And you'll notice that it's with the proclamation of the good news that starts with Pentecost. All the disciples proclaim the mighty acts of God in a way that everybody understands it. And Peter gives this wonderful sermon, and at the end, people are cut to the heart, and people come to faith. And again, why? Not because of Peter, but because of the message. It was the work of the Holy Spirit upon the hearts of the people that cut them to the quick, that inspired them and brought them about to repent. And the beautiful part is that Peter and John, in their message of the gospel, still is at work today. It has an effect on us today. We're still reading the Gospel of John, which so clearly states that salvation is found in Christ and that all who believe in him have eternal life. We still read the letters of Peter, which tell, tell us clearly that our salvation is, wasn't purchased with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. The message is still making an impact today, long after they're gone. Does that not demonstrate it's the word? And so it is with us. The Lord works through you because of the word he's planted upon your heart. And we are called to trust that. Not trust ourselves in our eloquence. Not to trust ourselves in the way we present it. But trust God's word. God's word's been effective with you, has it not? Isn't that why you're here? That the word of God has come to you and announced to you that, that in your sin you have a way of salvation that's found in Jesus Christ who died for you and rose for you? Isn't it that word of God that the Holy Spirit came to you and into your heart and enabled you to believe? Your word of God has changed your life. It's brought forgiveness. It's brought life. It's brought salvation. We are to trust that word and cling to that word. And then to share that word as we have opportunity. And trust that God will be effective through that. And we don't have to worry about answering all the questions. We just point to Christ. Because it's in finding Christ that people find salvation. You see, our Lord isn't calling upon us to argue people into the faith. Our Lord is calling us to invite people to, to come and know Christ. And to trust that if that word was effective with us, it's going to be effective with others. 
We're just simply called to be faithful, to live out our life trusting in God's word that will lead and guide us in our words and our thoughts and our actions. And when we do that, the opportunities will arise and the Holy Spirit will equip us to share. Through it all, we rely upon him and his word. His word is effective for us and for others. It's effective because it forgives. It forgives us for our failure. It forgives us for our failure to love, our failure to share, or whatever the failure is. And we want others to know that same love, that same forgiveness. As we conclude, there's a legend that has been spoken and passed on for, for I've heard it a few times. That, that after Jesus rises from the dead, the angels are with God, praising the Father over what they had seen. And they're rejoicing, and they turn to the, one of the angels turns to the Father and says, how will people know what Christ has done? And the Father says to the angel, his followers will tell them. And the angel says, that's great and wonderful, but what if they don't? What's plan B? And God says, there is no plan B. It's through us. And it will be effective because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on him and his word. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.